Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode nine of Swimming Upstream, a Marlins Miners podcast. Today, guys, we're talking about the club newly elevated to the highest level of the Miami Marlins minor league system, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Much, much deserved elevation for this club, and we'll get into it with our guest today. Joining us on the podcast to talk about Crustacean Nation and life in Duval now and in the foreseeable future, we have with us the media relations director and new voice of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp from the broadcast booth. It's Scott Kornberg. Scott, thanks so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. You guys are always amazing with us. Uh, so again, thank you so much for coming on. How are we doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. You know, what a great year for the Marlins. And um, obviously for us to be able to be a part of this organization in the future with everything that they're building down in South Florida is really, really uh, an amazing opportunity. So uh, I just can't wait for the spring. For sure. Right there with you, man. Since I ended spring training, I've been itching to get back out uh, to, to the parks and, and see these kids play. And of course, up to the affiliates, which we do each year. So uh, definitely missing being out at, at the affiliated parks. Um, hopefully that comes back to fruition soon for um, all the Marlins affiliates and every minor league affiliate, of course. Uh, it's great to have you in, Scott. Um, we invited you in just basically to talk about the state of the team before the pandemic, of course, during the pandemic. Um, and of course, your plans for 2021 and what's a really changed minor league baseball environment. Uh, but before we get into that, um, I want a brief bio on yourself for those who may not know you. How'd you get started in baseball and what brought you to Jacksonville and the position you're currently in? Well, um, probably pretty boring for your listeners, so I won't be too long winded with this. But, um, you know, like a lot of people, I, I grew up loving baseball and that's really because of my dad and my grandparents. Um, we grew up in New York and New Jersey. My dad is a huge Mets fan and my grandparents uh, went to games in Ebbets Field. They were big Brooklyn Dodgers fans. And then when they uh, left Brooklyn, they didn't watch baseball for like 20 years. And then they somehow ended up as Yankee fans. So, um, but they're very passionate. Um, and uh, it's something that definitely rubbed off on me. So I knew that being five foot 10 and about 160 pounds, I, I wasn't good enough to be a professional athlete and um, I, I'm really fortunate that um, broadcasting has worked out pretty well for me. I, I started in the minor leagues in Quad Cities, which was then the low A affiliate of the Astros. As their number two broadcaster, I was the number two the next year in 2015 with the Winston-Salem Dash, high A affiliate of the Chicago White Sox. And then I was really lucky I was able to get a lead broadcasting spot in Myrtle Beach with the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, uh, now the low A team of the Cubs, but then the high A team. And I was there for three years. And um, the guy who hired me here uh, in Quad Cities, Marco Lanave, he's, he's just a really close friend. We've been friends ever since, for whatever reason, he wanted to bring me on board. And he called me in August of 2018 and said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be leaving uh, Jacksonville, I'm going to Akron, our sister franchise, to be their lead broadcaster. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And apparently he recommended me to replace him. And that's how I ended up in Jacksonville. It's just, it's just not skill at all. It's just luck and being in the right place at the right time. And for whatever reason, people vouching for me, but I just couldn't think of a better opportunity for my career at the time. And um, it's it just, ever since I've gotten here, I've just been amazed by our leadership, Ken Babby, Harold Craw, Noel Blaha. Linda McNabb and um, you know, the city has just been outstanding as well. So, um, you know, for whatever reason, the people up there are smiling at me and, and looking down at me and just giving me good fortune over and over and over again. And that's how I ended up here in Jacksonville. 
I think Scott's being a little modest, guys. He's awesome. Does great work out of the broadcast booth. Um, replaced a really, really um, admired figure in the broadcast booth in Jacksonville, which we'll get to soon, and has done an awesome job and does a great job in media relations as well with us and everybody else that uh, needs anything at all from the shrimp. They're, they're absolutely great. Um, glad that they're part of the organization. Um, first class, for sure. Uh, first question on the shrimp operation, Scott. It's basic, really basic question. Overall, how's the operation holding up? It's been amazing. I think that we expected people to be excited um, with this AAA invitation announcement, and we didn't really see it as big as it, as it really has been for the city and the region here. And I think, honestly, we, we almost needed that as a staff, right? Our whole season gets wiped out. We were really looking forward to it. Our um, the, the excitement for 2020 in, in January, February, and March was really outstanding and then as everything is out of our control and we did a whole bunch of really cool events here at the ballpark to um, stay relevant to, to be able to keep our staff you know literally our entire full staff and our interns um, nobody got furloughed nobody was laid off that obviously speaks to uh, Ken's vision here um, but it was tough everybody's been going through difficult times in 2020 and so when you get the news that hey uh, the Marlins want to continue their long relationship that they've had with the organization. And not only that, they want to be a triple A, you to be their triple A team. I think our staff was really exuberant and the city has just been, I mean, it's amazing. I wear Jumbo Shrimp stuff to the grocery store and people will stop me and say like, do you work for them? And, and they're just off the wall excited. So, um, you know, it's been a tough year. We're fortunate that we've had great leadership here. We're fortunate that we had some really awesome events and our fans support us uh, throughout those 46, I think, different events throughout the, the summer and fall. And now to have this uh, announcement, it's just, um, you know, people are just chomping at the bit to get here, hopefully in April. And, uh, you know, again, it, it speaks to the, the Marlins really believing in us. It speaks to our leadership and it's just people like me who are, who are just reaping the benefits of that. Yeah, for sure. Um... Glad to hear that uh, everything's going well for you guys. Um, we know it's, you know, uncertain times there not too long ago, right? Uh, I want to hit on that a little bit. Um, take us back to uh, the cancellation when you when you heard that, you know, the season's not going to be played. Um, we know that an exciting time for any minor league club is getting that list, right, of the players that you guys are going to have. Seeing, oh, hey, we got that guy. We got this guy. Talking to Jamie Tool not too long ago from the Hammerheads, he told us that as well. Um, and you guys weren't too far away from that, from getting that list and seeing all that, that new excitement that, that that's going to breathe into the, to the club and, you know, getting to market those guys and say, Hey, this guy's going to come play here, come check the team out stuff like that. So, um, and then COVID hits, everything gets put on hold. And then June 30th, we find out that there's, there's no minor league season. Right. So tell us about that shift from excitement to, uh Oh, like what's going to happen and how the organization dealt with that. And then I'll follow that up. Well, I think um, for us, you know, to go back in that point about leadership, um, you know, we were working from home when all this first started in March and then uh, probably late May, early June, we, we started a system where we had, um, you know, really instead of, we have a front office here where everybody normally is pretty close working together. And, um, you know, we started a whole system where people, some days of the week were working from home, some days working uh, here at the ballpark, uh, but it was like everybody was all spread out, like up in the suites or, you know, I even had some company here in the in the radio booth um, or, you know, in one of the other rooms in the press box. But 
um, we had a meeting the first day back and Ken Babby got everyone together. We were outside socially distanced in the city. Well, it's something I remember for quite a long time. And, you know, we're all wearing our masks. Everybody's kind of uncertain. And he said, no matter what happens, um, what I told you back in March, which was you don't have to worry about losing your job. Uh, no matter what happens, the season can get canceled. You're here, you're our staff. And so um, I, I think that really helped once that news came through, as you said, June 30th, that the season was going to get completely wiped away. Um, it was definitely shocking. It was definitely sad, but there was a lot of comfort in the fact that we knew that no matter what, our owner and our leadership team had our backs. And so um, we're in this business because we love doing this, right? Like I love broadcasting games. I love being able to, to convey that information and the stories that I, I tell to fans. Um, you know, I love interacting with fans here at the ballpark. I love interacting, like, like Jamie had said, when you talked to him with Jupiter, you love to see that list and you love it. Oh my God, I, I love this guy from 2019 or whatever. We never got that. And, and those interactions, it's just been kind of a, an empty um, summer here. And so, um, you know, I think probably around late May, early June, I, I at least had an idea just from what I do reading articles and stuff like that, that there was a possibility. And, and you know this, as the weeks went on, it, it became more and more likely to the point where we were pretty much just waiting for the, the announcement. But, um, you know, I think as a, as a new dad, my, my son's about eight and a half months old, uh, to, to have the leadership team have our back like that. Um, it was stunning that the season got canceled, but we knew that we were going to be okay because of, of everything that was communicated to us and and the mission that, hey, we're going to do other things. We're going to be innovative. We're going to have other things at the ballpark. And it maybe isn't as big of a scale as we normally do, but uh, we have to be relevant. We have to do stuff because that is our role in our community is affordable family fun. And, um, you know, I, I, did I miss baseball? Absolutely. But uh, I'm really grateful for everything else we did in the summer and the fall. Yeah, definitely. And that, that actually is a great, perfect segue actually into the next question that I have for you. Um, you know, it's on everything that you guys did, despite no baseball, right? You turned basically, well, actually basically kept the tradition going at Brigham Field and 121 Financial that, you know, it's not just for baseball. Like you're going to keep this community involved, even if baseball isn't there. So you go through the season, um, the field goes unused from the baseball standpoint, but you did that awesome stuff, keeping the community involved, used the park for some cool events, the, you know, the movies that you guys had. I remember a couple of those. Um, definitely kept the community involved and at the ballpark in a safe environment, despite there not being any baseball. So how have you guys been successful in coming up with some of these events? You know, we know your creative department is probably the best in baseball, in my opinion, um, even amongst baseball not happening uh, and with the pandemic happening all around us. How have you guys made that happen? Well, you know, actually, Alex, it's really cool because we were one of, if not maybe the first team to start doing this in minor league baseball. And the way we did it, we have a safety protocols pamphlet that a, at first was distributed internally, A, because you know we wanted to be safe here for not just us, but our families uh, when we went home from work. Um, but B, it's, it's amazingly in depth. Like I, I remember, um, you know, oh my God, I'm going to go back to work. Like, what's it going to be like? And it's, you know, you get sent that and it's like, wow, you know, they've thought about literally everything. And so, um, you know, we put on these events and we're doing it so successfully. It came to the point that um, 
other minor league teams were calling us to say, how are you guys putting on a moving night? How are you guys doing the bingo nights, which are really popular? And I, I think it's just like, you know, you talked about our creative staff. We've got some incredibly smart and funny and innovative people in our office. And they, honestly, it was just like, what if we did this? And we hadn't done movie nights in the past, but okay, how do we do these movie nights in a safe manner during a pandemic? And it involved paintings. Okay, we're not using our field for baseball, as you just said, right? So it involved painting squares, all different sizes on the field to be able to accompany a couple or a family of four or a family of six or whatever it is. Um, it was really, I see this now watching the NFL playoffs this weekend and uh, college football in the fall, but we were the ones who did that socially distanced seating where we had you know, the offset rows and made sure people were not near each other for our seating bowl. Um, it was coming up with protocols to enter the ballpark in one area and exit um, you know, a specific time in a specific uh, area as well. So, I mean, they thought of everything. I, I was actually sitting there like, wow. I mean, I'm the, I had the media person, so I have to know this stuff. I had to be able to communicate that with our media, especially here in Jacksonville. And it was like, you know, how, how can we ever have any issues? Because they thought of like the most crazy things that you never would have thought of. Like they had that in that pamphlet. And that was really remarkable. And then otherwise it was just like, hey, what if we did a bingo night? Because, you know, my friend loves playing bingo and he's always said, you guys should do this, so why don't we do it? And we ended up finding out there's a, a niche bingo audience here in Jacksonville. And, and you know, it's just really a crazy thing. It's like, what if we did this? Okay, let's, how do we do it? All right, let's do it. And that's just kind of how it was. Um, so yeah, it speaks to the, the creativity. It speaks to our, our staff, there are ops people here, our, our general manager, Harold, who has an ops background, being able to take those ideas and then say, all right, how do we make sure we do this safely? And we put out a survey at the end of the fall to say, okay, all you people, all you fans who came to our events, how safe did you feel? What, what did you like? What did you not like? And the responses were overwhelming. Like, I think like close to like 95, 98% or something like that in which everybody felt they were very safe. And I think that speaks to the protocols in place that our operations team put together. Um, and then our, our staff was able to communicate some really fun ideas to do that really made it such a success for us that I think was a little bit of a model for other teams across baseball. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, leading by example there, I mean, you guys did stuff that nobody else really thought of. And it was just, like you said, what if we did this? Let's, let's do it. <laughs> so, I mean, a little bit of a, a little bit of a, you know, spontaneity there, but it worked and you guys did awesome. So um, really cool. Um, all right. Uh, in addition to those things that we talked about, uh, fan related things in terms of uh, the movie nights, bingo nights that you mentioned um, some other cool developments for you guys um, this season, despite no baseball again, of course, right. Um, the naming rights for the park um, goes to 121 financial. They're a, uh, for those of you guys that don't live in Jacksonville, um, a prominent financial institution uh, and banking company in Duval County. Uh, you know, you also partner with the state of Florida to make this awesome shrimp branded vanity license plate. And when I have to renew my license plate, I'm definitely getting this, by the way, guys, because it's oh, awesome. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to get it <laughs> again. So uh, tell us about those accomplishments uh, and how big it is to grow this shrimp outreach, not only in Duval, but now, you know, within the state of Florida and beyond. Uh, really cool to see this growth. So tell us about that. Yeah, that's a great question too. And so to answer the, the ballpark one first, um, it's our mission, like I said earlier, affordable family fun is, is our slogan. And so 
Um, we have tickets as low as $5. We've got hot dogs as low as $2. Um, we want it to be affordable for a family to come out to a game. And uh, I think, you know, as someone who grew up in the New York area, it's expensive to go to games. I remember like going to a game at Yankee Stadium and it, great, it's amazing. Like what a cool park. Uh, but the parking was like 50 bucks and it's like, oh my God, it's not even including like the ticket price or getting a, you know, a hot dog or whatever at, at the, at the game. And, and I, a lot of professional sports are like that now. And I think that's Ken's vision is to always make sure that a family can come out on a summer night or not very expensive and be able to make memories that last forever together, parents and children and grandparents even. And so what that, naming rights deal with one-to-one -one financial does is allows us to be able to do that for the foreseeable future. I mean, that, that is really what that is able to do is that, okay, we have this naming rights deal now, you know, we're getting all these things because our fan support has been off the charts uh, since Ken has owned the team. And um, this is our way of, of giving back now is to be able to make sure we continue to put together the same fun and entertaining product that it's not just baseball, it's everything else going on at the park. It's the silly promotions like Florida Man Night, it's the fireworks, it's the shrimp, uh, the really delicious shrimp foods that we've got here, the, you know, everything else that's going on. Um, we want to continue to deliver that for forever, as long as we're here in Jacksonville. And so that's kind of where that naming rights deal comes in is it, it wouldn't, A, it wouldn't happen without the support we've had. And I think it, Ken would be the first to tell you that it's not like he came in here and it was a broken product that the Bragans who owned it before did an amazing job. Our ballpark is outstanding uh, because of them. He just wanted to put his own spin on it and he's done a great job in the community. We're really lucky has responded the way they have. And then the, the license plate is just sort of a branch off of that. It's just, um, you know, it's our way of giving back to the community. Yeah, you know, it's really cool to be one of the first minor league teams to have, um, and the first one in Florida to have their logo on a license plate. But uh, actually all the proceeds for this, they don't go to us, they don't go to the state of Florida, they don't go to the city of Jacksonville. They actually go to the St. John's Riverkeeper um, to help in the upkeep of the St. John's River, which is really just a few hundred feet away from our ballpark. and such an important part of the city. As you know, Alex, you've been to Jacksonville before. There's a lot of different bridges right over that St. John's River. And so, you know, this was our way of, again, trying to give back to the community that's been so important for us. And, uh, you know, again, one of those really cool ideas that uh, David Ratz, our um, director of promotions came up with and said, what if we did that? And he approached the St. John's Riverkeeper and they were all about it. And, and you know, all of a sudden a little idea like, a, like an acorn sprouts up and, and here we are and, and you know people have a chance to have the jumbo shrimp in their license plate which is really cool but again it, it's important for us to to provide entertainment make it fun make it affordable but i think the most important thing of what we do is to to give back to the community in in more ways than one with our time we have whole different days throughout the year in which our staff will actually not work and we just go out and we uh, do x y and z build a home or package meals or whatever it is and that comes from our amazing director of community relations, Andrea Williams, um, but it's also other ways monetarily that we can give back as well. And this was kind of one of those that we were able to do that. Awesome, awesome, yeah. Win-win for everybody involved there uh, with the license plate and of course with the naming rights, which Scott just talked about. Awesome. Um, 
Great things happening in Jacksonville um, and more on the way. I want to get to this uh, really quick uh, following up what we just talked about. As you guys continue to strengthen the fan base, which is already great, but as you guys continue to strengthen it, all these good things that are happening, we just talked about all of them, keeping the community involved despite no baseball, um, you know, and everything else that happened for the shrimp this year, despite no games, right? Um, obviously, after everything that's gone on um, and everything that's happened in the positive for you guys being coming AAA and everything else that we just said, it's got to be done bigger in 2021 when fans are allowed back. Right. So without giving too much away, of course, um, some thoughts on how you think the organization might go about 2021 when fans are allowed back at 121 financial. Oh, that's a great question. And uh, you know, I, I know for one thing that the, the most important thing right now is safety, right? We want to make sure everybody who comes out to a game um, feels safe in doing that. And so we have a bunch of, protocols that we already did successfully that um, could really help us in that regard and, and uh, you know, not for movie night now, although we still will have movie nights and, and whatnot, but, um, you know, how do we do that for a baseball game? And that's a great place to start. And, um, you know, we're going to obviously communicate with the Marlins, communicate with Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, the city, the state, uh, health officials to make sure that um, our protocols are as good as they could possibly be for not just our fans, but our players and our staff to make sure that they are safe in playing baseball here. So, you know, I think for one, the most important thing is that safety aspect. And um, we have some really, really big internal ideas of what we're going to do or continue to do uh, to make fans feel comfortable and safe coming out of the house during a, a pandemic to watch a, hopefully watch a baseball game. And otherwise, I mean, we're, we're, we're discussing some things internally, you know, we'll see. I don't want to spoil anything. I know that I mentioned David earlier. He's always got great ideas for stuff. He's the one, he's the brains behind that promotion schedule every single year. But I know that we always get together starting, you know, right about now, mid January or so. And uh, as a staff, we literally just get together and we kick around ideas. Like, what if we did this? What if we did that? And that's how some of these really funny things come together. So um, I know we've got some interesting bobbleheads that we weren't able to give away last year that uh, we should be able to give away in, in 2021. And we, I think we've got some pretty creative ideas in our office as well, because we always want to be kind of at the forefront of that and, and being creative and being funny and, and being a, a thing that people say like, man, the jumbo shrimp, um, we want to be memorable for the baseball, obviously. But I think for, from our staff's perspective, everything else going on is more important in a weird way um then the baseball and then we want that to be the memory of coming out to the park and i said that this is like the most important thing we're doing the offseason is coming up with those ideas to do it big as a triple a team in 2021 yeah for sure scott mentions the bobbleheads that they, they've had some awesome bobbleheads in jacksonville the stone garrett one where he made the catch where he went over the wall that was awesome um then they have this seinfeld one coming up where it's george costanza eating shrimp I, it's they everything that they do Obviously, Scott can't give too much away, but whatever they do, it's going to be a hit, and the fans are absolutely going to love it. Because as a fan myself, first and foremost, I I look at the schedule when they bring out their promotion schedule every year, and I'm like, I want to go for that. I want to go for that. And I'm pointing at everything on this <laughs> list. And if I were to go up for everything, I literally would probably run my car into the ground driving to Jacksonville, but it would be totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We come up to this. If you need tickets, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Definitely. Uh, we definitely plan to be there, though, when we are allowed back out. So, And I, I know a lot of our listeners, uh, including those in Jacksonville, definitely are missing you guys. But 
whatever you guys come up with, David and, and the whole team, we know that it's it's going to be awesome because your theme nights, as we mentioned, the bobbleheads, um, the food you mentioned. I want to I want to make one recommendation. You mentioned you mentioned the shrimp food, which is great. Um, the torpedo shrimp are awesome. Um, one thing I had there that is outstanding was the helmet nachos. Those were absolutely delicious. And I still have the helmet. So it's a win win. Right. We've got that in our house too, and our baby loves the helmet chewing on it. But I, I recommend the cheesesteak. That's probably my favorite thing here. But I mean, anything you get, um, Ernest or uh, Hopkins, our chef, is actually maybe the best part about working here is that sometimes he'll test things out, and we just get to go out and try them downstairs <laughs> in his uh, kitchen. And so uh, he's always trying to come up with different ideas. And it's funny, like the, the helmet nachos thing is, he just like, Sometimes you just see something, right? And the light bulb goes goes off. And I think uh, I mentioned Marco Lenave earlier. I think he saw like some sort of nachos thing and uh, one, one of the road trips he went on and brought that back to Ernest and Ernest kind of put his own spin on it. So yeah, the, the, the food here is outstanding and I love to taste it. That is a great perk of working for the Jumbo Shrimp. Definitely, totally jealous. All right. Anyways, we come up to this season, uh, this coming season, I should say, uh, Scott, and we have a couple here for you. First off, um, we already mentioned it um, with minor league baseball redrawing the lines. Um, you guys are the triple A entity of the Miami Marlins. Um, you, of course, were the double A entity. Um, and uh, yeah, you'll be uh, housing the highest level of the minors uh, at Bregan Field and 121 Financial. So for me, Scott, this uh, was a long time coming. Um, and even without COVID, it's something that I thought was evidently going to happen with Babby. Uh, Mr. Babby, yourself, uh, and everybody else on the team with what you've done with that product. Um, and it's funny, too. I want to mention this. Um, we talked to Ken uh, last year, actually, heading into the season. Um, and I mentioned it to him. I'm like, hey, um, do you think that, yeah, you know, with the, everything that you guys have done, you so deserve that 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 promotion up to AAA? Do you think that's something you're going to go after? And he said no. He said, I, I was, we're champions of AA baseball. I own two AA baseball teams. Of course, Ken also owns the um, Akron Rubber Ducks. Um, and he said he's completely happy at AAA, but, um, you know, I think that this is a, a, a welcome uh, challenge for you guys to become AAA. It's definitely deserved, as we mentioned, and um, we're, we're so excited about that. So the first question I have here, um, what's the feeling overall between Ken, yourself, and the rest of the organization with this promotion up to AAA? And then I'll follow that up. I think the feeling, um, and we appreciate all the kind words, is gratitude. Um, this is the highest level of minor league baseball. And it only happens because of the, I mean, it's record setting. The, the attendance numbers we've had the last several years are record setting. And that doesn't happen without our community, the fans, our club partners, uh, ASM Global, and the, and the city here in Jacksonville. And so, uh, and our know, partners like One to One Financial. So, um, it, we are just being put in AAA or invited to be in AAA because of that. I, I mean, the city continues to grow. It's one of the fastest growing cities in America. Uh, two years ago when you could travel, it seems like uh, so long ago, but the, the tour, tourism numbers were record setting here in Jacksonville. So this is a place where people want to be. I, I can say this is someone who moved here a few years ago. Uh, this is an awesome city. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't want to be in Jacksonville because, I mean, you're in Florida. There's so many perks that come along with that, but uh, just a really fun place to be. But I think gratitude is the one that we have because uh, this wouldn't happen without the support of everyone else in our community. And I think it just represents um, everything that Jacksonville and Northeast Florida is about, that we, our city deserves to be in that, in that highest tier of minor league baseball because this is 
one of the fastest growing and, and most innovative and most fun cities uh, there is, not just in the Southeast, but in, I think in the nation. Yeah, uh, as we said, and as we've already talked about, it's definitely deserved. You guys, again, as Scott mentioned, they're uh, becoming uh, basically a leader in, uh, and were during COVID and everything that they were able to accomplish, which Scott said, they were still able to have people at their park. You know, despite everything going on, they made it safe, um, become basically a leader uh, for other clubs. So definitely a, a deserved um, deserved promotion for, for them, and we're excited. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, we'll get to uh, on-field next year, uh, Scott. Um, a couple of, uh, you know, things here interesting. With this promotion, uh, you know, to start the year at least, you're going to see a lot of the names that you guys pretty much just saw in AA, right? So you'll get, you'll get to see these guys take the next step, right, up to that from AA last year, um, and then, of course, up to AAA. You'll have some new names as well, but um, a couple of, uh, at least we project a bunch of these guys that, should be on the shrimp roster and in a shrimp uniform again um, are going to be guys that you guys have already seen. So it'll be good for you guys to see that next step for them. And then after that, uh, a whole nother crop coming behind them, obviously with the depth of this Marlin system, which we all know. So awesome. Uh, and um, guys, we could see, you know, Donna, Sh Donna shrimp Jersey uh, as early as uh, this coming year uh, guys that we've seen before Braxton Garrett, Nick Nider, uh, you know, all these guys, Edward Cabrera, um, Jesus Sanchez, Monte Harrison, just to name a few guys. Um, so yeah, the question here, uh, for, uh, the start of the season, at least, um, how excited for you both as a media personality and a broadcaster to get to cover the next step of these guys' baseball careers. Oh man, I couldn't be more excited. You know, this is, you talked about my baseball journey before I would say most, not all, but most of the broadcasters and media people in the minor leagues want to get to the majors one day. And so, you know, selfishly, this is, uh, something that I'm very excited about, but who wouldn't want to see the best product you possibly could, the, the highest caliber players you pro possibly can. And, um, you know, you mentioned some of those names, like, like I remember watching like Edward Cabrera and that's somebody who I'm like, I can't wait to watch that guy pitch again, although maybe he'll be in Miami, but um, you know, like it's one thing for AAA players. It's another thing right now to be in the Marlins organization. This is by any entity, a top three or top five system. And so we're not just seeing AAA caliber baseball players or major league guys that are, you know, down at AAA for whatever reason right now, we're also seeing, um, you know, one of the very best farm systems in all of baseball. And so the caliber of prospect coming up and probably even of, you know, major league player going down whereas with a, another team that maybe doesn't have the depth that the marlins have in either scenario we are seeing you know the best possible version and so i can't wait to see these guys it'll be cool to see you know how they've improved being that i hadn't seen them in, in 2020 and you kind of leave off in 2019 all right this is what this guy was working on then this is where he's progressed where is it in 2021? And I'm really curious because not all of these guys we're going to have were in the satellite camp uh, in Jupiter in 2020. And so I'm really interested to see how they worked on their game and hear what they have to say about that and, and where they improved and, and what they did during all this time off. And so there's so many interesting facets for us that it's like, wow, there's just storylines galore. And uh, being with the Marlins amplifies that, but I think even, you know, not having a minor league season will really make for some interesting storylines. And I think um, there'll be guys who um, maybe weren't on the radar before, but they just worked their butt off during 2020. And, and all of a sudden they're going to come here to Jacksonville 
as an afterthought and people are gonna be like wow what happened and I, and you know one quick story I remember that in Myrtle Beach you know you just don't know David Bodie was a guy who was the 25th man on every 25 man roster and in 2016 we had an infield with Jason Vossler who is uh, a guy who's a, a fringe major league guy with the Cubs and the Padres and he's kind of bounced around a little bit never getting that shot but still very very good minor league player shortstop was Glaber Torres who's really really good the second baseman was Ian Happ and so where is David Bodie going to play well Happ got promoted Torres got traded and Vossler got hurt and we had nobody else and all of a sudden David Bodie hit 364 in the last 70 plus games so it, it's just like one of those things where he put himself on the map that year and I can't wait to see which guys put themselves in the map in 2021. Yeah, I think one such scenario here um, in terms of what you just said, in terms of guys that are going to stay hungry, it's going to be that competition at second base for the Marlins with Jazz Chisholm and Isan Diaz. And whoever wins that competition, um, it could go either way. It's really going to be a toss-up. That's going to be the story of spring training for the Marlins, I think. Um, some other stories too, but I think that's going to be the real big one. Whoever doesn't win that competition could wind up with the shrimp. And we know, knowing both guys, Jazz, who came up at the end of the year, uh, made his major league debut, was hitting well at the end of the year, made some good adjustments. And then Isan, who lost the whole season because he opted out. Um, his decision, of course, but uh, can't blame him with everything that the Marlins went through, opted out. Um, he's going to come back and he's going to be hungry as well. So I think whoever does not win that competition and potentially goes to Jacksonville, that's probably going to be their best hitter. Um, or at least one of their best hitters, because there's going to be a lot of good names on this team. So um, excited for that. Um, some more storylines, too, with the, of course, the depth that the Marlins have in the rotation. Um, you could see guys like Braxton, which we talked about, Nider, Dan Castano, who was good last year that I love that guy. Um, so, yeah, um, there's going to be some really, 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 really high rich talent um, coming to Jacksonville. So with this happening, Scott, my, my question is, how do you think the organization will use that to its advantage, being that you're going to have all this talent on the field? Well, I think, uh, first of all, Daniel Castano, that guy is the man. He was probably my favorite player from that 2019 team that we had in Jacksonville. He's just one of the nicest people I've ever come across in baseball. But, I, you know, what we're seeing now, the most recent World Series champion, right, is the Dodgers. And nobody in baseball uses the 40-man roster, the depth, like the Dodgers do. And we just talked about how the Marlins – are beginning to develop that kind of enviable depth. And so I think that the most creative way they can do it, and, and my goodness, their front office is so good. And now adding Kim Ng to that, I just, wow. Like, I can't wait to see what they do. And I'd have to think that it's going to be something where, hey, we're not that far from Miami. We are going to have guys going up to Miami all the time coming down from Miami to Jacksonville all the time. And I think the Marlins, the logical next step with all this depth happening is just to be able to always constantly having fresh arms in the bullpen, um, you know, fresh depth position player wise on the bench. And you talked about the, the battle between Jazz Chisholm and Isan Diaz. Well, wh whichever one potentially ends up here, maybe the other one, uh, pulls a hamstring, they're only going to be out for seven or eight days or something like that, where it's not a, a true DL, IL stint. Uh, but, but hey, you've got all this depth in the system. Why not bring the other guy up and, and supplement your bench that way uh, for a day-to-day -day injury? Or, hey, we had a, a game go long and our bullpen's a little beat up. Boom, you know, there's arms available right there. And I think that's a huge advantage of having your AAA affiliate 
four hours or so down the road compared to, um, you know, in other states uh, like New Orleans or, or Kansas, which, uh, you know, I feel for Wichita because they got a brand new ballpark and just amazing things happening for them. But I think from a, a player roster move scenario wise, being so close to your AAA team is so important. And then the depth that this organization is developing to me, that's that next step is to be able to use not just a 26 man roster, but all 40 guys on your 40 man roster throughout the season in ways that the Dodgers do so well. And I think that teams are trying to emulate. And I think Kim Ng is the perfect person for that uh, to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be uh, really interesting to see uh, what she does. She's already been active um, in signings was really active at the rule five. Of course, we know that. Um, and then uh, some free agent signings as well. Really, really bolstering the bullpen too is what you see out of Kim, which the Marlins did definitely need. So, um, yeah, uh, it's been a good first couple of months for her, and um, I think we're going to see her really, really shine in this role. Um, and that was, of course, the story of baseball a couple of months ago, and will continue to be not just because she's female, but because she finally got the uh, opportunity that she deserves. So, we're excited um, to have her for sure. Uh, one more question: twenty twenty one, Scott. It's on, we kind of just hit on it already, um, but it's on travel. Um, this actually was uh, brought to my attention, uh, brought out to my attention, I should say, by my buddy Eli from Fish Stripes. Um, we already know that from a report put out in November um, by Baseball America, I believe, that in the, uh, in the uh, Southern League, uh, it had some pretty rough bus rides, right, already. <laughs> uh, you know, you guys go up to Tennessee, you know, places like this that are not too close to Jacksonville. Um, according to this new agreement that we um, know about for 2021, um, it's our understanding that flights are going to be mandatory for any trip over 350 miles. So for you guys, that's a lot of your opponents. Not all, but a good bit, right, in the Southern League. So uh, first question, um, and then I'll quickly follow it up. Uh, how will this affect the club um, from a manpower standpoint and then also from a cost-effective standpoint? And how will you guys adjust to that? Yeah, we're still trying to figure that out. That's a great question. And we, we bust everywhere, even to Jackson, Tennessee. And that's like a, you know, 15, 16, if not more, hour ride. And um, fortunately, I didn't experience that bus ride because we didn't play at Jackson in 2019. But um, yeah, that, that is going to be really interesting for us. And we don't know what the leagues are, are like yet. I, there's still so much to be determined. And, um, but obviously, in AAA, um, the other AAA teams, the nearest one is Gwinnett, and uh, that's about a six and a half hour ride. I don't know if it's in that 350 mile radius, but you know, you'd figure like the teams in the southeast, like a Gwinnett or a Durham or Charlotte, et cetera, et cetera, would probably be ones that would be in the same league as us, just logically speaking, but we don't know yet. And um, the flying thing is is going to be weird, but I think we're, we're, we're fortunate in the fact that Jacksonville is a major city. It's got an international airport. It's a, uh, we've got all flights going all over the place. Uh, so that really helps. So, you know, it's not like we're a tiny city and flights don't come here often. There's a lot happening there every single day. It's a new airport. It's modern. And otherwise I know from speaking to him, our, our executive vice president, general manager, Harold Craw is just, we're just trying to figure things out. You know, he's calling the other uh, GMs across AAA and being like, how do you handle this situation? What do you do with the flights? And, and for me, it's even stuff like, how do we transport the radio equipment? That's something we never had to deal with before. You just put it in the bottom of the bus and, and you're off. And, and now flying, like, do you check it? Do you ship it? Um, we're kind of getting a bunch of opinions on that and we're figuring it out. And 
Uh, fortunately, we've been really lucky that our AAA companions have been really helpful with that, but we don't know who, what the leagues are going to look like, who our opponents are going to be. Um, we do know there's going to be some differences, and luckily there's a lot of people willing to kind of walk us through what they do, so hopefully we, we have an idea of what to do once April rolls around. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's got to be, you know, an adjustment process for sure. Like you said, from, from the bat, from the behind the scenes standpoint, but I, I got to think from a player standpoint, a personnel standpoint, that this is a plus because talking to these guys that grind it out, you know, at the lower levels, of course, um, those bus rides are, are killer, you know, especially in a league like you guys had in the Southern league, of course, like, like Scott said, we don't know how the leagues are going to be drawn yet um, in terms of, you know, who's playing who and where they're going and everything like that. But I, I think, you know, flights in place of bus rides have to be a huge plus. So my, my question here, um, Scott, for you, um, how do you foresee that transition process going for the personnel and the player standpoint? And do you think it's as positive as I think it is? I think it's definitely positive. I, I tell you what, I, I will miss the bus rides if we don't have any, because uh, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's so minor league baseball and you just kind of, you look in the back sometimes and you just kind of smile, right? Like there's guys laying on yoga mats in the middle of the aisle and uh, all sorts of shenanigans going on back there. And then in the middle of the night, if you've got to go to the bathroom, you got to climb like over the seats all over people. I mean, stuff like that. Um, you know, I think when I look, whenever my career ends, hopefully in many, many, many years in baseball, um, you know, that's one of the things I'm going to smile about. But, but is that good for, for a player to be, you know, crunched in? Probably not. And so from what I have heard, the flights are very early in the morning because you've got to get to the next city to play. Um, and that, you know, it does make it difficult, difficult on your energy level. It's not like you're flying private jets like the Miami Marlins do to New York and, and okay, the game ends. All right, let's get everyone to go on the jet. Um, you know, it's not that simple in the minor leagues from what I gather, but the, just with the basic fact that the trips are going to be a lot shorter. You're not busing 15 hours, you know, the flight to equivalent of Jackson, Tennessee is probably way less than that. And it's probably a little bit roomier than a bus. You could probably lean back a little bit. You won't have guys laying on the floor. I have to think that all of those are, are major positives for the players. So um, yeah, it's going to be a challenge for those guys, but, but that's the challenge anytime they move up to AAA either, whether they were going to play in Wichita, New Orleans, or, or have played in New Orleans in the past, like they've flown and yeah, maybe they've had to contend with some really early wake up calls, but I think the other factors really uh, help push that as being a positive um, from a strictly player perspective um, than long interminable bus rides. And, and we've all got our stories of bus buses breaking down in the minor leagues as well. And that, that's uh, not fun in the moment, but fun to look back on. Yeah. Scott mentioned it right there too. You hear, you hear the stories, you know, as cool as the ambiance is, which Scott mentioned that, you know, you, you know, you hear those stories about the bus rides and things that happen on bus rides and what you see and stuff as cool as that is, you know, you hear the other side of it where, you know, the bus breaks down or they hit traffic and, you know, they get out to the park an hour before game time and the pitcher can't even warm his arm up properly. You know, it, it's got to it's got to be wearing on these athletes and definitely for the, the strength and stamina of these players. That's what I was getting at that, you know, planes and plane flights in place of these bus rides. It's got to be a positive in that regard. Um, Scott also mentions, you know, the distance in an earlier question. He mentioned the distance between um, the affiliate and the home club, of course, being the Marlins and the shrimp, which is really close. 
as much as we will hate not being affiliated with the um, Wichita Wind Surge, which we had a great time getting to know Lou, the late Lou Schweikheimer, of course, um, and his entire staff. Being so close to Jacksonville with the Marlins and now Pensacola, of course, with our furthest away affiliate being in Wisconsin, which isn't too far away, it's a plus because I, I think Marlins fans will remember when the Marlins were affiliated with the Albuquerque Isotopes and getting players to and from that park was not easy. So uh, definitely great that all affiliates are close by for travel reasons, which we just stated. All right. So uh, we'll get to one more full length question, Scott, and then I'll get to, of course, the notorious quick fire round which every guest on my show has to face. So uh, we come to one for you on a more personal level. We, we also already hit on it um, at the beginning. I hit on it with you a little bit before we started the interview. Uh, you know, you become the new voice of the shrimp, which of course um, is your background, uh, which you stated. Filled some big shoes. We stated that as well, taking over for um, Roger Hoover, who was there for a long time, won tons of awards. But in your own right, you're an award-winning broadcaster as well, right? Uh, Scott, for those of you that don't know, he, he was a co-broadcaster of the year in 2017 in the Carolina League. Uh, and you've already done awesome work in Duval with the Shrimp, so I know we're in good hands. Um, I watch these games when I can't be at the park. I watch them on MILB TV. Um, I will also break out my satellite radio and try to get Sonny to come in and listen that way. So, uh, yeah, uh, you're a mainstay in, in my house uh, during minor league season, so. It's great to have you in that regard, but just some thoughts on taking over for Roger and how this opportunity has, and will continue to further your career and your future aspirations as a professional. Well, I appreciate all the kind words. It's really nice of you. And um, Roger had almost a decade here in Jacksonville and, and really was a, a tremendous, uh, not just broadcaster for the Jumbo Shrimp, but ambassador for our organization. And, and, uh, it extended beyond, you know, what he did with the, the Jumbo Shrimp, because as you know, he does so much other stuff with Alabama and the SEC and whatnot. So to see him uh, take on a, a bigger role with Alabama, I mean, I just couldn't be more happy for him. It, it sounds like from whenever I, I get to talk with him and we text every so often, it, it just, you know, it sounds like it's been going great. So I'm, I'm thrilled for him. Um, and, and for me, it's, you know, it's, it's really lucky again fortunate to be able to to replace somebody like that and and you know with somebody who as good as he is you just you can't be roger and, and this was the case when i was in myrtle beach the the previous broadcaster there nathan barnett who's a, a great friend and mentor of mine as well um somebody who i can't be roger i can't be nathan i can't be my other mentors like marco or brian bush who was my uh, the lead broadcaster in winston-salem and is now michigan basketball's broadcaster I just had to be Scott and, um, you know, hopefully people uh, like my, my storytelling, my quirkiness, um, the respect I have for the players and the coaches and the managers and the umpires. Um, but I think that I, I remember reading something one time uh, about Vince Scully and he got advice from Ray Barber, who was the, one of the original baseball broadcasters with the Brooklyn Dodgers way back in the day. And he said, then you bring something that nobody else brings. And, and he was like, really? And they said, he said, yeah, yourself. And that's just what I had to do. And so I remember when I worked in Myrtle Beach and I, at the same time I was working in Myrtle Beach in the spring and the summer. And I was at Western Illinois University as their football and basketball broadcaster in the fall and the winter uh, for five years during that time. And talking with some people who I confide in and, and was getting advice from when they said, you need to move to a bigger market. Um, and 
again, like Jacksonville has been everything I could have possibly dreamed of and more because it is that bigger market. But it's also led me to, to have some amazing friendships with this people in this city that I didn't expect, uh, explore a city I didn't expect. Um, and on top of that, pick up things just from a selfish perspective on my own career that people probably don't care about at, at University of North Florida or Jacksonville University or even doing some PR stuff for the Jacksonville Jaguars and, and getting the chance to call Marlins spring training game last year and hopefully uh, more in the future. So, you know, all that stuff has just made this uh, an amazing opportunity that I'm not really sure I, I deserve, but, um, you know, I, I'm really cognizant of the fact that I'm replacing someone who's very, very well liked for very good reasons by Marlins fans and Jacksonville fans. And um, I know that, you know, the only way I can try to even measure up is to just be myself and hopefully uh, that will be enough. And, and hopefully the, the spark I can bring, uh, I do really love what I do. Hopefully that passion shines in my broadcast and uh, people enjoy listening to me. Definitely. Well, we're definitely, we're definitely a fan um, of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's a deserved opportunity for you. You're so modest. You say, I don't really deserve it. You deserve it. All right. Well, so it's great to have you um, of course uh, as a media relations director and now um, as a voice of course of the shrimp, it's really awesome. Um, and uh, we will definitely be a continuous listener and already are. So um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, uh, Scott, uh, I want to thank you so much again for everything, all the insight that you gave today on the team. I do still have the quick fire round for you, but I just wanted to say thank you for all of that amazing insight that you just gave us on everything happening in Jacksonville, uh, how you guys got through the pandemic, everything that you guys are accomplishing. We know it's going to be increasingly exciting to be out at 121 Financial in the near future when we're welcome back and when fans are welcome back. So we so appreciate that insight today on the club. Can't wait to be back in the field with you guys as soon as possible. So thanks again for that. Well, thank you for having me. It's been really fun so far. Of course. I got one more fun quick fire round for you. Handful of short answer questions. Um, and uh, yeah, some fun stuff in here. So let's get to this. Uh, first round, Scott. Uh, it's an easy one because there's no wrong answer here. Favorite shrimp uniform and cap? Ooh, uh, give me the red uniform and the, the Navy cap, um, the one you're wearing right now, just the, the state of Florida with the shrimp pointing where Jacksonville is. Yeah, definitely. I, I like every hat. I think I have five or six already, and I also have a jersey. So, uh, yeah, um, all shrimp merchandise is amazing. Whenever I go to Jacksonville, I can't walk in that store because I'll spend my whole paycheck. <laughs> Anyways, second round. Again, no wrong answer here. We hit on it during the interview. Favorite shrimp promotion that you've seen so far? Oh, that's a tough one. I got to go Florida Man Night. I mean, that was like, that was crazy. We had all different promotions every inning. We broke a, a weird law in Florida. And uh, I just was just sitting up in the broadcast booth just laughing all day. So I, I love that. Florida Man Night's been my favorite one so far. But um, actually, I got I to gotta amend that. It would be the two for Tuesday, which we had um, a kid who's been battling a whole bunch of really serious uh, illnesses. Junior and his dad is the only two people in the ballpark. Uh, we had a block party outside the ballpark. Uh, and then we announced an attendance at the end of the fifth inning of two to set a Southern League record for the smallest attendance at a game. And then everyone came in to celebrate with Junior. That is my favorite. I'm sorry. That, that Florida Man at number two. I know this is supposed to be quick. Uh, or two for Tuesday with Junior is number one. Awesome. Awesome. That's a great story. Uh, round three. Broadcasting mentor and inspiration for you. Ooh, my my mentor um, 
the the people I listed before, Brian Bush, uh, Michigan basketball's broadcaster. If you get a chance to listen to him, he's amazing. Uh, he's he's an even better friend. Uh, Nathan Barnett, who's not working in sports anymore, but he was a huge influence on me when I was in Winston-Salem and then transitioning to Myrtle Beach. They were in the same league, so we played them 27 times in 2015 when I was with the Dash and got to know him really well. And he, for whatever reason, recommended me to replace him there. And uh, that's how I, a big reason why I ended up in Myrtle Beach is him. And then Marco Lanave, who's, again, another amazing friend, um, always there for you, just got engaged. And my broadcasting idol is uh, Vince Scully. Um, my grandparents listened to him when they were kids. The first time I ever listened to him, I just, I was in awe. Um, I kept hearing about him. Is, is it okay if I tell a quick story? I know it's supposed to be fast. Of course. <laughs> I apologize. Um, but I remember hearing about Vince Scully, Vince Scully, Vince Scully. And we just got MLB Network um, summer of my freshman year. So I was home from the University of Maryland and surfing channels and they were going to do the simulcast. So they had the Padres and the Dodgers on. And I was like, well, there's nothing else on TV. Let me, you know, see what this Vince Scully guy is all about. And I distinctly remember thinking to myself, I bet he's going to be, you know, too old time. I bet he's going to be, you know, not very good. And I turned on the game and they came back from commercial and they showed a full moon. And he didn't say anything at first. And then all of a sudden he goes, isn't it amazing we put a man up there? And with those seven words, he had me hooked. But he's my idol. Um, I also love Gary Cohen and Howie Rose. Ian Eagle would be another one who I really, really admire and respect quite a bit um, as broadcasters. Just had his kid on Nickelodeon, I think, yesterday, right? I'm yeah, yeah. It was also really good. Uh, if yeah. I can have as good as that, I'll be very lucky. <laughs> I like it. I love the Nickelodeon thing. Off, off subject, but I, I love the Nickelodeon thing. I think it was cool. I think it brings kids. I did, too. It was awesome. What a, It was fun, right? I was watching it as a, a normal fan, and it, I thought Noah Eagle did a great job explaining things really well. Like, what? okay, holding is what happens when you do this. I mean, they even explained, like, uh, Mitchell Trubisky getting benched and what that means, um, which was difficult, I think. And he did a really good job. And Nate Burleson did a great job. And the graphics were cool. The, the slime zone. Yeah, I was all about that. That Nickelodeon broadcast was great. I, I wish they had that when I was a kid because my, my, my learning about baseball sometimes was my dad really into a game, me trying to ask questions. And he's like, not right now. So if, to have it right in front of me, <laughs> like I think that was awesome. I think Nickelodeon did great. I hope we see more of that stuff. Anyways, uh, so the last question I have for you here uh, in the quick fire out, Scott, um, we know you've experienced a lot of different things in your career at sports with the organizations that we mentioned, Winston-Salem, Quad Cities, Myrtle Beach, uh, and then you got the Jaguars in football and now the Shrimp, of course. So the question here, excluding the Jaguars, of course, but the question here is most that's so minor league baseball moment that you've seen in your career. Oh, that's that's a that's a great question, and I will kind of harp back to what we were talking about before. When I was with Myrtle Beach, we were coming back on a road trip, um, and we were probably like two and a half hours or so away from Myrtle Beach. So it's like we're getting a little close. It's also like three in the morning, and all of a sudden our bus broke down, and everyone's like, "You got to be kidding me!" But I'll tell you what, like for three in the morning, for coming back from a long road trip, from your bus breaking down, 
it was the most fun I've ever had. Um, we just like everyone got off the bus and we were just hanging out on the side of the highway, waiting for a new bus to come pick us up. And the big problem was the bags, um, whatever, for whatever reason, this bus needed to be able to turn on to unlock the lower compartments and we couldn't turn it on because it was broken. And so um, Connor Myers, who's my all time favorite player, he's an outfielder in the Cubs organization and he's just an amazing, amazing, amazing person. And Aloy Jimenez, who obviously we all know who that is, but he was on the Pelicans before he got traded. They were able to find a hanger somewhere and pick the locks uh, of the compartments of the bus so we can all get our bags out. And then the bus finally picked us up at like, you know, five or whatever, six in the morning. And we got back to Myrtle Beach um, when we saw the sunrise. But I think that was the most minor league baseball thing where the superstar prospect, you know, top five in baseball is on his hands and knees with a plastic hanger picking a lock uh, to get the bags on the bottom of the bus. I, I just, that was just, I had a great time. Um, weirdly enough, during a, a bus being broken down and just stranded on the side of the highway. But uh, we really, it was a great bonding moment for everybody. Just, we knew we had nothing else to do. We just told a bunch of stories and, and jokes, some of them not really appropriate, but um, it was a lot, a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about, about minor league baseball and, and why I love stories like that. It's just like, you go through the hell and then you look back on it and you're like, that was actually really fun. And Scott, Scott just gave us a great example there. Just stuff you don't <laughs> anywhere else, right? You see it in minor league baseball. All right, guys, that's Scott Kornberg, media director. And of course, the voice of the jumbo shrimp from the broadcast booth, giving us some fantastic insight into not only the shrimp, but a lot of other subjects there, uh, his career included. Um, awesome. Love to have him. Uh, really, 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 really awesome get to get to talk to you, Scott. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. You know, you, we know you said uh, you got the family now, a brand new dad, of course. Congratulations for that. So for you to dedicate the time to talk to me about yourself and, of course, about the shrimp and the Marlins, it's great. So thank you so much again, and we hope to see you at one one Financial as soon as possible. Yeah, we can't wait to see you too, Alex. And thank you so much for asking me to come on. That was incredibly kind of you. I can't wait to meet you in person, hopefully uh, in, hopefully sooner rather than later. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you heard him, guys. Uh, Scott Kornberg, Media Relations Director, play-by-play -play announcer for the new AAA entity of the Miami Marlins, the Jumbo Shrimp. You guys can follow him on Twitter. It's at Scott Kornberg. And you can hear him all season long from the Shrimp booth on MILB TV and in the Duval area on Sunny 102.3 which actually comes in really well on my satellite radio. Going back to that real quick. Anyways, thank you so much again to Scott for being on the show today. We really appreciate his time. That's going to do it for the episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>